Hello, my name is Federico Toledo and welcome to the Quality Sense podcast, where you will have the chance to improve your sense for quality by listening to some leaders who are amazing at what they do in the software industry. In each show, I have a one-on-one -on -one chat with them discussing specific topics related to software testing and quality. In today's episode, I will be interviewing Leandro Melendez, a Latin American brother from Mexico, also known as Señor Performo. He's an avid performance test manager and consultant with almost 20 years of experience in the software industry. He is a podcast host on performance, speaker at testing conferences and generating and sharing content about performance in English and Spanish. For example, he hosts the Perfbytes podcast in Spanish. In the interview, we discussed about performance testing concepts. I really had a great time talking with Leandro, and I really admire the way he can explain complex concepts in a very simple and silly way, as he said, using examples and analogies that make it easy and funny. If you want to learn more about performance testing, listen to this episode, pay attention to what we talked at the end. Leandro shared some habits he has that I find interesting, especially for the current lockdown situation. I really hope you enjoy the talk. Hello, Leandro. Hello, Señor Performo. <laughs> This is so exciting for me. I'm so happy to have you here in the show. Welcome. How are you today? Hello, amigo Federico. Thank you very much uh, for having me here. Uh, super excited. I'm doing well, uh, staying uh, safe, healthy, and all those uh, type of things. And uh, really, really happy to finally have the opportunity to share with you on your awesome uh, podcast. Uh, I am a big follower of uh, what you have been doing, and uh, I'm really happy about it and very excited to be here. This is something I, I th thank you for, for your words, first of all. Uh, I think this is something that we have in common. I also follow your, your, your work, all your, what you mm. publish and all what you do, your podcast, your blogs and, and, and everything. And I think what, what we share, uh, what we have in common is that we are trying, let, correct me if I'm wrong, but we are trying to build a bridge between the English-speaking world and the Spanish-speaking world, trying to, to uh, connect people and share knowledge from one world to the other. Is that what you are trying to do as well? Um, well, to be honest, my initial objective as becoming perfor Senor Performo and starting all these um, uh, things that I've been trying to do uh, was to help the world to fix so many problems and confusions that I noticed on in the industry uh, at multiple clients, customers, organizations that I have been at. I often had to explain things, uh, simple, basic concepts to uh, management, even some uh, seasoned performance testers and testers in general that I was like, um, I, I, I don't think that uh, you understand what you're saying or that's the right approach or, and uh, very simple, basic concepts. So. Uh, and I was often explaining to people those basic concepts. I discovered that I had more or less um, an ability to do silly examples, basic examples, so that people would understand them. But I kept repeating and repeating and repeating them. 
So uh, I was like, you know, I need to write this down in a way that uh, more people can uh, reach it and try to help the world uh, to be in peace and understand better <laughs> testing and performance. And thanks to Mark Tomlinson, because I started that in English, most of the market that I could reach was in English. But Mark told me, hey, would you like to do the same but in Spanish and jump that language barrier? And I was like, oh, wow, yeah, awesome. I um, became like my second crusade or my second quest to try to jump that. And by do while doing that, I noticed that our Latin speaking, uh, Spanish speaking brothers and sisters were having troubles, especially because most of the content was in English. And sadly, some of them have no um, access to the English language as easy as some of us do. So I was like, well, I'm gonna try to help uh, crossing those bridges as well and sharing some of the experience and even sometimes even plainly translating some of the concepts that I find, not only mine, but some from someone else, bring them to Spanish and help the people. Yeah, really cool. I think this is really, really valu valuable. So um, you told me that you're writing a book right now. Uh, yeah, well, writing right now, no, uh, yes and no. I have been writing it for a few years now and I am about to be done with it. Uh, I already have readable uh, drafts that um, I'll be happy to share with you and that uh, are on the works of polishing a little bit my Tarzan-like English. But <laughs> uh, as soon as that is done, um, I'm planning on trying to find some ways to publish the book and to help more people. The book is about um, load tests and not performance testing in general, but specifically load tests and trying to explain um, the little details of a load testing project. Waterfall-ish project, I know that's uh, old fashioned, but you always have to do load tests, big, uh, big time load tests that mm, you cannot follow so much agile principles on those. So. It's a little bit retro, but there are concepts that are important for people to understand. And as I mentioned, I tried to explain them with good examples, silly jokes, um, my uh, mother throwing a chancla at me or uh, eating some tacos at a restaurant, uh, training dogs uh, in Cesar Milan's style, the dog whisperer. So the, the, the book is filled up with examples. And after each example, I explain it in the technical I call it the official mumbo jumbo. Uh, how you should call it, it's, this is a test case. This is a formal performance test plan. This is the document, uh, the groups, CFP, all, all the official lingo so that people that reads it doesn't only learn tacos and chanclas and get <laughs> a little bit more learning of uh, low testing projects. Sounds interesting. I, I want to read it. So, To start talking about uh, something related to what you're mentioning right now, uh, what about explaining or, or uh, visiting uh, the different basic concepts around uh, performance testing and load testing? Um, I think it would be great to address those topics in, the, in this uh, episode. Yeah, Is that okay that, for you? Yeah, yeah, of <laughs> course. I, I am so eager to explain that all the time. <laughs> great. Because Uh, you, you're just touching uh, a hotspot for me right now because uh, that has been like my crusade uh, lately to try to explain, and it drives me crazy, I have to admit, 
that people often confuse performance testing with load testing. And performance, uh, uh, they are like subfamilies. And on top of that, I am trying to create like the topic or the term performance assurance because we have quality assurance, but uh, which includes testing, but also tuning. On performance, the, te the terms are, uh, they are all messed up and everybody confuses them. And uh, as well, people tend to uh, misunderstand performance testing with just doing some automations and slamming a system or doing an automation of a process that probably you don't need to. The main goal for an automation for load testing is load. You are not going to automate a process that happens once a month, once a week, even once a day. It's like, why are you automating it? Just manually execute it, get the reading. But, yeah. uh, and people would say, hey, but without that automation, how am I gonna know the response time? Well, there are multiple ways that we can do that nowadays. Probably uh, 10, 15 years ago, that was the only way. But right now we have APMs, we have encode, we have telemetry, we have lots of things that you can do. But back to the question, those terms. Uh, load testing is again, uh, using most of the time automations to generate a lot of activity to test the upper limits of the application. Load, that's it. Some load tests, and some people will cry a little here, can be done manually. By people manually doing them, if the load test, let's say it's just you have a system with 40 users on them, well, why don't uh, leverage UAT and other processes to do your load tests and just monitor the application? Another one is that uh, you can use these modern release practices, send it to production on a blue-green environment, make your users do your load tests, and you don't need automations. So performance testing and load testing is not only scripting and slamming. There are multiple ways. And again, performance testing, you can be testing the performance of a system with no activity to see how is the RAM, how is the CPU, when no one is in the system, and how is the floor consumption. That's an important test, uh, performance test. You can see when everybody leaves, how fast is the container decommissioned, how fast are environments turned off. So there are multiple performance test activities that you can do without actual load or as a single user. Let's say I'm, I'm the only one clicking this and I need to know if this process is fast. I know that you have had some performance testing experience how many times have you been asked to automate a process that is visibly slow already? Yeah, uh, many times. Many, many <laughs> times. And, and many of those, I'm like, why are you asking me to automate this that you already know has a performance problem and probably doesn't even execute too much, happens twice a day. Fix it, monitor it, and tune it. You did your performance test manually. You don't need an automation. You don't need to do some of those all-time uh, uh, practice, practices. Um, I don't know where the problem started, if it was tool vendors, because tool vendors are very happy that you try to automate everything. Mm. And um, some service companies, because I, I'm from a service company and I'm very happy when customers ask us to automate a lot of things because it gives me some more work. But in all honesty, it's like, but you don't really need this. You uh, your resources would be better uh, allocated if you would ask someone else to just manually execute it, get the reading with an APM or some other solution, and be done with it. So yeah, that's maybe more or it's less. not the it's not the best moment to do that. Maybe you can start 
improving the system without any automation. And once you 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 improve the system with only one person accessing it, then mm -hmm. you can follow to the next stage where you are going to simulate multiple uh, concurrent users, right? I'm, I'm going to reutilize a little bit the example that I did with our friend uh, Henry Grext from uh, Neotis on the PAC that we were at. It's like uh, doing just load tests. It's like trying to race a car and preparing the track and everything around it without even checking before that the tires have enough air, that the mm. suspension is okay. Yeah, you, you shouldn't test those pieces separately, not in a race, uh, just maybe on, on a parking lot or something like that at a low scale. And not even without omissions, you can, you, you don't need like the actual track and an actual pilot and an actual automation for that. Just grab yourself the car, uh, get it around the block and make sure that each of the pieces uh, work together well. And even some of those automations, you don't need to wait for the testers to do it. Teach the developer to put a start timer and timer inside of the code. And there, even before they check in on the back end, some of the processes, you can know that there's a problem and avoid them to check it in. So there are multiple things that I believe there's a wide confusion in terms of performance testing, load testing, performance assurance, where we hopefully all the industry organizations and everywhere, uh, things will start to be done differently rather than just trying to kill a fly with the cannonballs. <laughs> There's another misconception, I think, which is when, when you ask someone what is performance about, they typically say velocity, how fast a system can be. But it's not only related to response times. It's also related to the resources needed to, to make uh, this, to, to, to give you this fast response, right? Yeah. If you have a very fast um, response, but it takes 100% of your CPU or your memory or whatever, it's not, uh, it, it doesn't have a good performance, right? So you it, could be in trouble, but it depends as well. I, I like to give this definition that performance testing, not assurance, not load testing, performance testing consists of three pieces. First, the response times, not only from the application, you can measure response times everywhere, as I said, a Docker environment, how fast does it come up? Um, how uh, quickly does it recover? That's part of the timing. So one part is, yes, time, how fast? Everywhere, not only uh, on a postback of a website or blah. Second is to measure the impact of the activity in your system. As you say, how the CPU is impacted, how the RAM is consumed, how is the network, the four horsemen of performance, uh, CPU, RAM, network, and hard drive, um, how those are, and even many others, how is even the temperature of your computer on some cell phones, it's important to take that into account. Totally. I mean, there are multiple things that you need to measure what happens. And the third element is a current circumstance that you want to test. If there are a thousand users concurrently, if there are no users, if there's only a connection between two servers, what is the performance that are you going to measure? So yeah, it's important as well to be aware and measure how the pieces of your solution are doing during a given circumstances. One uh, key advice that we'll uh, try to give to testers, not all the circumstances at the same time, test one at a time. Otherwise you are looking for the needle in multiple haystacks. 
yeah, it's uh, like considering the variables one mm. one at a time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's okay. um, here is like a detective. You are trying to figure out a crime. You shouldn't be mixing multiple crimes at the same time and trying to in the same crime scene, right? It's uh, you, you want to keep it simple and straight to the point uh, in performance. Uh, tuning, optimization, testing, all the performance activities. I'd like to make a short pause to thank Abstracta for sponsoring this podcast. Abstracta is a company fully dedicated to software testing that can work with you to push the quality of your product and processes to the next level. Uh, another topic where also I, I typically see some confusion, it's related to the scripting, uh, to the automation, because when you mention automation to someone in, so in the software industry, they uh, automatically think about Selenium or, or this type of automation where you automate the actions of a user in the gr graphic user interface. But the automation we prepare for performance testing is totally different. Can you explain a little bit about those differences? Well, um, following your example with automation, because uh, the, the word automation is that you create a process to execute automatically, that you don't have to go and actually click on it. But uh, as you mentioned, for many, an automation is a load runner script, a JMeter script, a Selenium script, and that is the automation. You can do an automation. Um, I, I don't know if you ever watched the Simpsons episode where Homer had the little bird that clicked the yes button. <laughs> yeah. That is an automation. That was an automated process that was clicking yes. You don't need a tool. And this uh, a little bit like you say. Well, the, the, this, the, there is a tool involved in this example, right? Not a software tool. No, yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, uh, and you can create automations that way in multiple ways. But what I was trying to convey is that the uh, way that you do them is not only through uh, a tool, uh, a load runner, a JMeter, a Selenium, etc. There are multiple ones. And these automations, uh, as you well said, uh, when you talk about a document, everybody thinks right away about Microsoft Word. But there are G-Docs, there are open office, there, there are multiple ways. Even our good old friend, the Notepad, cool. plain and simple, and you can create a document on it. So in performance and load testing, uh, in general performance testing, I think one of the big confusions is in between the automations for uh, load generation and for, let's say, I call it pinging. I don't know if there's an official... Um, Uh, term, but it's uh, related to synthetic monitoring because there's organic where you have someone in your system using it, you can monitor that activity, that performance. But let's say that your site is down or for some reason is extremely unpopular and no one logs in, you cannot have that organic monitoring. So you create some scripts that here and there uh, execute some actions so that you can measure it, even to measure if the system is uh, online, alive, Because if a real user hits it and says that it's down, we'll leave and you won't know. If, if you don't have a mechanism for that, you won't know that it's that down. Uh, most of the customers won't uh, call you and, hey, I think your site is down. We just uh, curse at them and leave uh, and open Facebook and go to do our <laughs> business, daily business, right? But if you have something that is trying to log in every 10 minutes, 
you will know in 10 minutes as soon as the system goes down. And this is part of the performance automations. You can receive ping back, uh, see how is the activity. And again, this is not related to load at all. Now, another confusion uh, that I see with performance-related uh, automations is on the load testing principles specifical from browser and protocol. That's another one where um, many do not understand uh, why is it better to have it at a protocol level and not to bring up a full browser window, where other times you do need the browser window. There's no other way to automate. The protocol might be too encrypted, impossible. So I give this example on those differences. You have this Golden Arches uh, fast food restaurant where you have someone in the cashier, in the POS, in the point of sale. The point of sale is your browser window. And when you, when the cashier gets, takes your order, clicks something on the window, and it's sent through a wire to a printer in the kitchen. That wire is the protocol, and the printer in the kitchen and the server, well, this is the server, the, the cook, to call it in a way. So when we are automating at a protocol level, we are automating the messages that go to the printer. We don't care about the cashier. We know that when the cashier clicks something, a message is sent, um, uh, cook me a quarter pounder, and that's a message that is received at the server. We can time how fast the quarter pounder appears in our uh, front end, to call it in a way, but we don't care about the cashier. If we do the load simulation there, it's very easy to send multiple messages through the wire. It's not expensive, you don't need much. But if for some reason that wired is um, covered, protected, you have no way to insert the messages there, you need multiple cashiers, which are expensive, slow. You need the people to drive them or put some robots that will actually click on, on that front end. So those are the disadvantages. They are slow, heavy, bulky, uh, costly, but that is the difference. You have to render the whole protocol, the whole browser, your whole POS, your whole cashier, or you can just send the messages. Both of them are stressing the server or the cook at the kitchen. So more or less those are uh, the differences. And the last one that I would go to is a backend testing, where instead of depending on the printer, you just stand inside of the kitchen and tell the, uh, the cook, hey, five hamburgers right now, let's see how you do. That I would say is API or service testing or even uh, class or code uh, performance testing, where you tell him, I won't hire you yet. You're a cook. Uh, I'm going to order you a quarter pounder and the star, I'll start the watch to see how fast can you cook it. Even before you put it to cook uh, 10 per hour or something like that. So more or less, that's the, that's, those are the examples that I use to explain those differences. Now I started, I'm starting to see the connections you make with performance testing and cooking and tacos and things like this. <laughs> <laughs> the book is filled with those type of examples. Yeah, yeah, I want, <laughs> I can't deny it. I love it. Uh, <laughs> cool. uh, and they, they help even for management to understand these type of differences where for management is just like, yeah, use the tool I bought to you and uh, do the testing thing. Which testing thing? The performance thing. Which performance thing? <laughs> Low testing, tuning, uh, monitoring, what do you want me to do? It, it's a huge universe. So yeah, yeah those, those are more or less the examples that I generally um, go to. Silly, simple, but I think everyone more or less understands them, I hope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, I used to I used to say that doing the the simulation at a protocol level, it's more efficient and actually it's cheaper. Let's say because you don't need uh, that much infrastructure in order to to have all the browsers or all the the things that you 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 need in order to simulate the the, the cashiers uh, clicking the button, buttons, right? But it happened to to us in some projects where the the protocols were encrypted, were very complicated, uh, and for example, trying to imagine now we are in a in a Zoom call, trying to simulate multiple access with a Zoom Zoom users, uh, and, and uh, working in in these uh, wires, <laughs> in these protocols. Will be very complicated, very very complex to to do the reverse engineering and 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 automate that. So in those those type of cases, it's better to have the cashiers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, that's what I said. Uh, sometimes the uh, wired is totally isolated. It's underground. You have no ways. <laughs> it's encrypted, and even as uh, I, I will challenge a little bit your Zoom example. Zoom uh, works based on services. There are APIs for everything. On the back end, you can automate almost everything. But when it is as complex as pretty much matrix code falling and you have no idea why, <laughs> what those green Chinese letters are uh, saying, oh, I'm sorry, I don't know if they are Chinese or Oriental. <laughs> or, <laughs> but um, I, I, that's my point. I don't know what they are. I cannot decode them. And uh, I, I, it would be fool to even try. And that's why the browser protocols exist. The problem is when um, this is called the man with a hammer um, cognitive bias. When you learn to hammer well, everything will look like a nail. So uh, uh, many organizations find out that this protocol uh, scripting are easier but, uh, and go crazy about it and run with a hammer uh, clicking nails everywhere. But there are moments where it is bulkier, more expensive, more difficult, and some of the things that uh, would be cheaper, faster, more efficient to be done with protocol, they are wasting a lot of resources doing the browser unnecessarily. So uh, it, it would be uh, what when would you use a uh, screwdriver or a batter mixer? It depends. Both of them do more or less the same thing, but uh, depends for what uh, you are needing and what's the medium, the environment, the circumstances. The goal. There's no golden rule in performance, no golden bullets. You need to adapt at the multiple tiers, multiple levels. And that's another one that I'm trying to help the world with, uh, those misunderstandings that you should be careful. Some uh, at, at a, an organization that I was trying to teach someone about performance testing, I drove him crazy because always my responses were, it depends. He wanted like a formula and I was like, man, in performance it's very difficult to go on with formulaic uh, processes. It always depends on what you're trying to do. What is the goal? What is your concern? What is the risk that you're trying to mitigate? It depends. <laughs> yeah, totally agree. Another question. Um, what's the most entertaining part for you in a performance test? Oh, wow. Uh, I have to admit that there's a part that many hate or run away from. And I tend to call it, to me, it's like a Stockholm syndrome. It's a scripting and correlating. 
I enjoy it a lot. I enjoy to crack those uh, protocols and uh, finding out what is changing. Eventually it became a very um, natural process that I just follow up, do my comparisons, try to find what are the types of things that are correlated, try to figure out which ones, why it's not catching. But uh, it becomes um, a great pleasure to me when I like, oh my God, it's working and it never ever breaks. I like to call them bulletproof scripts because um, even some organizations are like, yeah, my scripts fail like a 10%, 15% rate. And I am scandalized when I see that. I'm like, no, 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 zero failures. If, if they fail, it's because the environment is starting to have problems. So uh, I think scripting is uh, probably what entertains me the most. The second would be looking at APM graphs to see how a, a, something impacts everywhere and dig through the problems in the APM um, tools. That's very entertaining as well. Like trying to, to, to find where the system broke, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, where is that uh, semicolon that is causing all the problems inside of the code or the database? Or, oh my God, there's a full table scan. That's a whole problem. Oh, it's fixed. <laughs> so <laughs> that's very entertaining as well. Excellent. Uh, it, it's uh, nice to see how other people also enjoy similar things. I, <laughs> I, I, really, I really enjoy like running performances and, and trying to understand complex things and uh, find a small piece that is causing all the problems. In a different line of questions, I have some others for you. For example, do you have any book to recommend? Uh, in terms of testing or general? Whatever you want. Well, um, in, in, in terms of testing, and this is uh, not because I'm here, I generally, sadly, uh, I think you should work on having it in English as well. Your book mm -hmm. is pretty good. You have a wide coverage in general testing terms, um, not only performance. And I think given the small space uh, that you had on the book, you cover pretty much everything. Not too deeply because it's um, you do a quick uh, general review. But I enjoyed it a lot. In terms of... Um, Right now, it's very trendy, the agile testing movement. I like a lot uh, Janet Gregory's and Lisa Crispin's uh, books. The latest um, that they published is really short, very introductory, and I would recommend to start with that, not the first ones, because the first ones are uh, thick Bibles of knowledge. Um, very, very resourceful, uh, that one exactly, <laughs> the agile testing books. But the newest one, I think it's uh, 150, 200 pages quick read and very introductory. I love it. And in the world of performance testing, I would say um, the Every Performance book from Bob Westcott, if I remember well, it's very good. He also has a way to explain topics in a in simple matter, simple terms. I think he wrote the book 10, probably 20 years ago, but um, it's simple to understand. He goes to uh, similar examples, silly pictures, images, and uh, helped me to understand very well. Doesn't go too deep, doesn't go too um, technical, and this for everyone who wants to get a better understanding. Another question. It's um, related to habits. Do you have any habits 
to to suggest because I, I really believe that a way to improve your productivity or or whatever you want to achieve or you know it's very important to pay attention to those little details uh, in your daily routine that you can improve. So, what do you think it works for your routines for your habits? Well. Uh, I think you just uh, walked into uh, uh, an excess in terms of habits. I'm a very, um, I, I, I even like uh, consciously try to hammer some of them into my, my life. I try to wake up as early as possible. I used to do that at 5 a.m. Now uh, living together with my girlfriend, she doesn't like that hour and I had to move it a little bit later. But the first time that I do is get some coffee start to read. I try to read at least 30 minutes every day. Uh, no excuse. And I'm keeping up a decent, uh, 20 to 50 books a year. Try to keep it, uh, keep them flowing after that, uh, quick workout routine where you also have to keep the, uh, gut box healthy. And, um, after that I try to, um, do some learning uh, outside of the books, at least on our company, they gave us uh, Udemy um, corporate um, access and at least 10 minutes of something, even if it's um, just learning about audio editing and engineering, testing, uh, containers, Azure, whatever. I try to hit at least 10 minutes every day of that. Uh, it's awesome that you can do that in your cell phone, laying out on the couch and just be slacking and watching Udemy. And uh, after that, I go to uh, at least 30 minute creative something that I write, I record a podcast, I try to uh, produce, not just to be uh, as love consuming stuff from the world, just to give something back. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think those routines are very important, uh, especially in the lockdown, in the, the lockdowns, if you don't fall uh, I, when I started as a consultant that could be at home, I would wake up at 11 and you start to fall into depression and things like that. Yeah. So another thing that I do and I recommend highly is uh, shower early. Like if you were going to the office, dress up. There are several psychological studies that um, you should dress for the work that you want to have and to do. If you're in your pajamas, you're not as productive as if you have a shirt and a blazer or something and you're working even at home, it makes a huge difference. You feel yourself better, more productive. You flow better, to call it in a way. So that's another one. Uh, be dressed up early. Even if you have to take a nap midday or something, you're at home, take a nap after lunch. I recommend that highly as well. I always take a 20 to 30 minute nap after lunch. Keeps you healthy and wakes you up a lot uh, in the afternoon. Oh man, that was a lot of <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you so much for for sharing them. Um, and as a last question, do you have anything you would like the 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 listeners to to try to subscribe to your podcast or YouTube channel or? Well, uh, yeah. Th thank you. I'm gonna do a shameless plug here to my YouTube channel. I. I uh, started a YouTube channel, no, two YouTube channels, um, not long ago. I had the Señor Performo in Spanish channel uh, for, I think, one or two years now. But I started a series called uh, Nosotros los Performers, that's in Spanish. But I decided, hey, I can produce this as well in English. So 
and it has like a theme of a Mexican telenovela. So uh, I created the English channel where I'm going to try to put only English content and there's the Spanish channel. Señor Performo, just like that, is the Spanish one. Señor Performo ENG is the English channel where I'm going to start, uh, well, I already started the show Us, the Performers, which is like the Mexican telenovela thing that I mentioned. I hope next uh, Monday I uh, will be uh, pushing the second episode and hopefully I will keep the flow uh, publishing episodes in English and Spanish on both channels. Um, that's one. For the ones that speak Spanish, uh, Perfites Español, uh, we are producing and soon to have our friend Federico there speaking in Spanish as well about testing. For sure. <laughs> and um, I think for now... That's it. I haven't been able to write that much lately, but uh, there's the Señor Performo blog, S-R-P-E-R-F, S-R-Perf.com. And um, here and there, uh, webinars, presentations, we don't have uh, big uh, concurrent presentations anymore, but I'm still presenting uh, on several of them. Everything is posted on the social networks, Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, I think those are, that's a, <laughs> that's pretty much everything. And uh, any questions, comments, or just to say hi, preguntas arroba perfvites.com or ask at perfvites.com. Very welcome. Man, it was a pleasure, un placer realmente. Thank, Thank you, you so much and keep it, keep safe, healthy. See you soon. Thank you, amigo. You too. And thank you very much for having me. Okay. Bye-bye. I hope your sense for quality got better after this conversation. Thank you so much for listening. And please subscribe to Quality Sense Podcast. Tell your friends, your family, your colleagues, or whoever you think can benefit from listening to it. I hope to see you soon. Adios, amigos. Bye-bye.